Welcome back to another episode of the NES Experience. Thanks for tuning in. To start the episode today, Ned is going to give us an update of uh, some athletes and what's going around the NES training facility. Any offers going out to athletes? Any commitments going on this week, last couple of weeks? Uh, it was a busy uh, winter. We got homes for a lot of our guys. Um, we got Cassetti out of Ansonia. He's going to UNH. Uh, Elijah Light, a.k.a. Light, he's going to Union. Uh, Ethan Cody, a.k.a. Chow, he's going to Pace University. Chris Reeder, Grinnell, Kanye is going to Trinity, even though I don't think he told people yet, but nobody listens to the podcast, kid child-wise anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, Pool Salve Regina, so those are all coming through signing days. The D1 signing days uh, are already up. And then offers, we had three this week. We got Emma, she's a Hamden Hall girls basketball. She got an offer from Manhattan. And she's a sophomore. Uh, Mark Scooney, Schoonmaker, he got an offer from UConn and Q1. That's his name, actually. It's Q1. I was introduced to him as Q1 because I don't know his real name. And apparently, so few people know his real name, everybody calls him Q1. So that wasn't a Ned nickname. That was a, man, you're never going to remember my name, nickname. Uh, he got an offer from UConn also. So, three D1 offers one week. I'll take that. Yeah, that's pretty great stuff. That's a lot of offers. Is there a Q2 or a Q3? So, who's Q2? Does he have a brother? Is that brother? His brother's Q2. And uh, Is his name known? I mean, he's got a name. I don't know what it is. The whole family situation is pretty confusing. Uh, the mom's a Q2, so I call her Q3. Oh, okay. So she's Q3. She, like, so she's a Q as well. She's a Q as well. And there's like five other brothers, or and they're all named Q2. Like Q also. So there's a Q3, 4, 5. So, well, if she's... So hold on. The... The kid's Q1, he has a brother Q2, the mom's Q3, and then the other siblings are 4, 5, 6, 7? I mean, I named her Q3 because why wouldn't mom go into the Q3 category? And then the all the other five kids are all Qs too. What do you think his dad's name is? Quincy. Donovan. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. DQ. They have some, those blizzards are like over a thousand calories. Those things fucking gotcha. They they used to get me. The Oreo blizzard. I had one like two hours ago. I never eat ice cream. Luckily, like ice cream, I if somebody said you could never have ice cream again, I'd be like, okay. But uh, the, there was a family push for some blizzards and ice cream. So I got one. Snickers. Extra Snickers. So, anyways, but yes, Q2, he's a stud, too. He's going to have D1 offers coming in. And then, I guess if both of your kids are studs, then the parents were probably studs. And the whole family's probably studs. Yeah, that that's a whole lot of, a lot of Q for you. So, for this episode, we're going to be addressing the question, 
uh, how much time should you take off after the season? And we kind of came about this question because for pretty much everyone who's not a professional football player, and there's only a few teams left, only four by the time this comes out, uh, your season's over. So really, you don't have much to do besides train for next season. And everyone has an off season. You want to take a little bit of time. So do you go on vacation? Do you not go on vacation? I know Aaron Hicks was spotted on vacation, even though most of the Yankees are, you know, doing spring training preparation. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, so how much time should you take off after the season, Ned? I'm going to answer that question in 15 minutes. Or I could answer it now and kind of come back to it 15 minutes later. But it re- there's a lot of variables that kind of determine that. Um, so first off, I have to go over the no days off mentality, um, which is basically a caveman approach. It's great for t-shirts. It's good for gram videos, but the reality of it is, and I get kids all the time the day after their season ends. All right, Ned, ready to start back up. Okay. You've had four, 24 hours off. Um, and that's not a good move. So the reason why that's not a good move is you're in your most overtrained state by the time your season ends. So, um, we covered overtraining in a, in a previous podcast, but just to brush on it again, it's basically when your body can't recover adequately after repetitive, intense exercises or physical stressors. When your body can't recover from that anymore, you get put in an overtrained state. And what in-season play is for athletes is one big ball of overtraining. So ultimately, you have to uh, get over that, and the best thing to do is rest. Um, When you look at what an athlete's going through in the in-season, from a physical perspective, we know that their strength goes down, their power goes down, their body's ability to stabilize decreases, which increases the risk of injury. Um, those things are going on hormonally. Uh, there's always typically compositional changes in the body. Um, when we take, you know, after their season, so my pro baseball players, they came home, they took time off. We'll go over that later. Uh, and then we take pre-pictures of what they look like, and they basically all got dad bods. They got everything is atrophied, and they got the love handles, baby love handles going on, and they look like poo. Now, although all of them are probably going to be listening to this, it doesn't matter because you look great now. But um, when you look at that's baseball, um, for an example, basketball, when they come back, they're all underweight, basically walking skeletons with, you know, potential knee issues, ankle issues, your lower back pain. Um, but all, to, you know, the big thing is weight loss. And then your linemen, they're gaining weight. So your hormones are basically because of all the stressors are becoming out of whack. Your cortisol levels increase, testosterone levels decrease. So my guys start to have, you know, moobs and, you know, and bigger bellies and spare tires and linemen. It's the same thing. So hormonally that's going on and we need to fix that because that's not a good path 
Um, we got nutritional deficiency. So when you look in the end season, basically under eating is a big, big thing because these athletes are, unless they're pros or student athletes. So they're balancing school and homework and all of those um, things and their schedule is different. They don't like the school, the, the school food. It's a variable between the increase in practice and games along with all of that, that, you know, nutri there's things that typically get cut out are nutrition and sleep. So under eating is a big thing. Uh, and then with linemen, it's either, I still don't hundred percent know the answer, whether it's their cortisol levels are raising and that's triggering them to store more fat or they're just eating the house. Me personally, as an athlete, we would leave practice and go to Burger King and get, you know, three, four Whoppers a piece, maybe 50 to 100 chicken nuggets, whatever was on the, the dollar menu, because we didn't have the NES experience to teach us what to do and what not to do. Um, and then, you know, your immune system. So sleep deprivation is a big thing. Your number one way to recover is sleep when you throw athletics on top of academics. Um or even as a professional player, it's easier to get sleep, but they are now balancing their new work life of training eight hours a day or training eight hours a day and then working at night. So they have their days are just kind of substituted with a different stressor. Um, so once you take all of those things that are all going on, and I'd even talk about family life at home and stress from that, you know, if you're a poor you know, you have the financial stresses to balance along with all of these others. So when you put all, that all together, I mean, athletes come out not looking real good. So the number one thing is you need to recover and reset the body, reset your system and get back into the habit of things. So how long the answer is we typically do one to three weeks. Um, I don't like to go over two weeks because after we've noticed after about two weeks, they start to become stale and they start to regress more. Um, and it take you have to spend a longer amount of time to reacclimate them. So, but, and you also have to look at the load. So if I'm an Ansonia running back that gets 30 carries, 10 games, three, if I'm carrying the ball 300 times in a year, I'll need you know, two weeks or maybe even three weeks. Whereas if I'm a rotational uh, relief pitcher in college baseball that didn't get a lot of innings, then I can get away with, you know, a week or five days, depending on what I have going on. Uh, you also have to look at what you have going on and how much time you have. So if you play multiple sports, it might be your only three week or three month window to get a block of training in for your next sport. Um, whereas if you are a professional athlete and you're in your off season, you have four to six months, so you can spend more time and we try and work those good old vacations. in. the perfect time is right after your, uh, right after your season, because I hate vacations smack dab in the middle of my training cycle. Yeah, I know you do. Uh, actually, my first season training with you, or my first off-season training with you, uh, I I actually got into a pretty big fight with a person I was dating at the time, and 
she broke up with me because I wasn't going to go out to Colorado to, uh, to go see her because I was like, I can't, I, I'm training with this new guy. Uh, but then I, I got grateful that concert tickets. So I was like, uh, you know, I, I, I gotta go Ned. And you were very understanding of that. And it was a quick trip. It was only, only like five days. So, you know, I appreciated that, but yeah, I know you hate uh, vacations in the middle of training in the summer, but got to do a little altitude training while I was there. So there, there was that, um, hold on. You, you brought up a good point. So what I didn't go over is what you should do in your off time. Um, and the benefit and what I like about a vacation is th- the big thing you want to do is the exact opposite of what you did for your whole season. So picking weight, picking up a weight would be bad. Uh, playing football would be bad, but I want you to, whatever, go to Colorado and do altitude training, I guess, but soak up the, uh, the sites and all the things to do hiking. You want a brain change, a CNS change. So that golf, that's why nothing better than playing golf after uh, a baseball season. So they just kind of go hand in hand. Uh, and it's low intense blood flow you're staying active i mean what i usually don't recommend is that you sit on the couch for a two-week clip and play Fortnite. yeah Fortnite's never really the move i actually almost didn't graduate college because i was playing too much Fortnite and didn't finish uh finish writing my college thesis so i got it in time uh it is what it is so uh, and I actually have one more question for you while we're on the topic of, you know, getting a little break in between seasons. Uh, in high school, I know a lot of time the way the schedule shakes out, you know, you go from a, a soccer or a football uh, season in the beginning or s- some kind of track and field into like a basketball you know, season, hockey season right after. And then right after that, you know, a, a week vacation or something, and then you go into to baseball, lacrosse. Uh, how how bad is it when you just go from one sport to another without any real break to uh, to reset your body? Well, it's part of the reason why I went over all these things. So you're that overtrained. Yes, you if you take if you go right into another season, you're carrying all that with you. And then you're competing again. So you're competing in an overtrained state, which is going to increase your risk of injury. Um, And it's going to continue to have a negative response in your hormones. And it's going to, you're going to have your same food and eating patterns because you're running the same schedule. And then you're also not going to sleep. So yeah, you just go through and you do that until you get hurt. Yeah. Getting hurt's never great i always got banged up uh you know in my basketball season whenever i i played basketball after football but it kind of makes sense if you think about it i mean it's cutting down your your small training window for the sport that you love yeah looking back it wasn't really great but uh again at the time i didn't know you probably would have gone differently if i did and yeah, I, I loved basketball, and it was fun to play, but it, it wasn't a sport that I was I was good at. I was 6'4", and they made me play center a lot of the time, so it's hard to go up against people who are like 6'7", six 6'8", six 
seven foot every now and then when you play in the the New England prep school leagues. But do you have anything else you you wanted to add for uh, you know how much time you want to take in for for the off season? Just to reemphasize so people understand, you're in a season long catabolic state. Your muscles are doing, I guess, three things. One would be nothing. Two, you would be anabolic or building or. And three, you would be catabolic. So you're either building muscle, not doing anything, or losing muscle. And what we know is any sport that you do, you want to be as anabolic as possible. So because you're spending, you know, three to five months of your end season, depending on what it is. I mean, soccer, you're looking at 10 months of an end season. You're already spending that much time in a catabolic state, which... If, if unless you want to tell me that having less muscle works out well, um, it's generally you're just not putting yourself in a good position to recover. I think that's really well put. There's just a lot of reason. It's just nice to get a break. I might actually even take a break, uh, take a couple days off after the Super Bowl this year. But what we're going to uh, be doing now to kind of close out the episode, we're introducing two new segments to the NES experience. And our first segment is going to be the NES recipe of the month. Uh, how sad is this that we now have an NES recipe of the month? Pretty, uh, pretty sad, but we do. Always looking for content. Um, but what I've learned is I get always get a lot of questions about what should I eat? All right, got it. So I feel like for me, because I do all the cooking in the house, it's really easy for me to just figure out how to make shit that people are going to eat and generally make it healthy. But A, I can cook, and and B, I have the background to be able to do it, so I think I take it take advantage of it. So when I give recommendations, I work real life into the whole situation. Let's talk about vegetables. Who the fuck really likes vegetables? I don't. You don't. Most people don't. We we work them in because we have to because they're healthy. Um, look, my kids right now, they, vegetables are their fucking jam, which is awesome until next year when they're not. Uh, so, yeah, we don't have... the Whoever said, oh, you got to have five or ten fruits a day, that's just... Who the hell is eating five to ten fruits a day? It's not happening. Not with my schedule. Not I even have the background. Do you know? We won't talk about eggs right now. That's not a vegetable. But I can't afford. Uh, I can't afford to eat 10, 10 fruits and vegetables a day. I don't know. You've been to the grocery store. Moral of the story is I'm gonna try not give the, you know, grandma's old mac and cheese recipe. I'm gonna give you something. I'll break it down. We're going with the NES superfood salad. So are the, all these things superfoods? Don't know. Don't care. What I did was I tried to create something not you know horrible tasting, which has the nutrients you need from all the various blocks to get as much bang for your buck. So if you could pre-make Sunday, you make pre-make all of this stuff and you could put them in individual containers or you could mix it all. Uh, together um, but something set and then you just make one of these big ass salads a day and if you do nothing else productive throughout the whole day if you eat this thing 
it's almost like a vegetable smoothie and i don't want to get into blending and blending is great until you uh get tired of blending because of all the various problems with that like who's going to clean this bitch every day uh that's the big one so and i like the foods raw where my digestive system can break them down and they're generally in their natural form but use a balsamic olive oil base and then you're going with a spinach because that's the superfood mixed with unhealthy garbage lettuce so you could if you want to roll some iceberg lettuce in there that's fine you don't want to know why it's fine I have a I get off on I go off on tangents and rants about people that talk shit about iceberg lettuce. It's fantastic. They're like, oh, it has no nutritional value, right? But it's all water, and water's good for you, and it's zero calories. So what's wrong with me liking something that's no calories with a bunch of water in it to help hydrate me? Um, but what it does is it gives you crunch, and instead of having that soft mushy super healthy salad if you can work something in like romaine's a step up from from iceberg i just want people to leave iceberg the fuck alone because it's we need to start to not look at it that way and be like why don't we use this as a a way to you know move the old spinach through the system because spinach just doesn't taste that good it doesn't taste good Uh, i liked it cooked in an omelet but that's its own process that you have to do. The superfood would be the uh, the spinach, not the not the extra lettuce you mix it with. Um, red pepper, it's one of the most healthy vegetables you can do. So if you're deciphering from a green and a red, uh, you would want to go red. It's like five times more healthy. Not that a green pepper is not unhealthy, but the pepper is the pepper, and they both generally taste the same. So I'm going to go with the one that's better, which allows me not have to eat some other shit that I don't want to eat. Uh, avocado, perfect for weight gain and weight loss, full of fat, uh, speeds up recovery time. Avocado is, <clears throat> if I had to priority depth chart my superfoods, avocado would be in the top three. Um, egg, can't go wrong with egg. I mean, really, you might have to take these out for the next couple years because... $8 a dozen for eggs is ridiculous. Um, egg is my superfood because they used to be cheap and they have good protein, good fats, and eggs just make salads taste better. Uh, tomatoes, common sense. And then if you want to give a Italian vibe, uh, shredded mozzarella. Not a superfood. Probably most would say not that healthy. Uh but it does make the salad more fun. And so if I have to throw some slightly less healthy things into my healthy salad to make it taste better so I could routinely eat the NES superfood salad every day, I'm I'm doing that. Yeah, and I feel like you could always throw in a little bit of like grilled chicken or, you know, some kind of meat, like steak or something like that in there if you you want to get a little bit of protein in that too so just good all around that's your base and then yeah if i'm a weight loss guy and i'm on a non-lift day i can take that salad and flip it in on a lunch day and bang it with a you know 10 to 16 ounces of grilled chicken or salmon or steak or 
you can pair it with <clears throat> a lot of different stuff, tuna salad, cottage cheese. So there's a way to bulk it up. But in general, I just try and keep this separate from everything just to make sure you're checking the box every day and then but it can be mixed in because there is the burnout component yeah you never want to just keep on eating the same thing over and over again you just get sick of that i did that with uh smoked salmon when i was trying to lose weight during football training camp i just eat smoked salmon like an hour before each practice and by like the third like week i was just puking my brains out in the morning just too much smoked salmon we should have a feature of tay's fucked up eating disordered uh diet ridiculousness of the week yeah no i've, I've done uh, quite quite a few pretty fucked up things so yeah you know it, it, you live and you learn i've learned a lot it's it's good you're still alive yeah yep uh i guess the better for it but our uh our next new segment is also going to be our closing segment for our episodes from here on out and that is going to be our nes athlete question of the week and the question is what kind of activity should be done after you pitch or after you throw a ball uh this specific situation everything is a case-by-case basis so this specific case he is a relief pitcher uh, a professional relief pitcher he is in year nine and he went through and they basically each organization has its own set of rules of when you do what you do and whatever with their strength coach so what that what he has found is most of them go into the weight room immediately after they pitch and they'll do a full lift uh and generally you know heavy legs they'll maybe not do chest but they'll do a full workout with aggressive moderately a level aggressive arm care and he reached out to me and asked me the question you know what do you think you should do so um the first thing is what are we trying to do here? So if, and what we're trying to do is recover and recover our arm. Um, that's the main thing that we're trying to do or that we should be trying to do after we pitch. So how are we going to do that? We want to get blood flow to the areas. Um, and then, you know, after pitching, we want to, the, the number two is restore lower body range of motion. So, getting everything flexible uh, from the waist down. I'm not too worried about keeping everything flexible from the waist up. I kind of just want to, if I'm working it, I want to do it actively. Um, I'm not going to do a lot of static stretching upper body after somebody throws because everything has kind of gotten overstretched when you threw. Um, But what we're not trying to do is we're not trying to get stronger and we're not trying to strengthen our shoulders because it's a time to rest and recover, not a time to get work done. Low-intensity cardio. So if you go back, whatever, 20 years, everything was you throw, what do you do? Just got done throwing or you're a quarterback 20 years ago. Let's see if you get it right. And what do you do? I'm, I think I said, yeah, well, not even 20 years, 20 years ago, but, you know, 
we were icing every every day after I threw in college. Yeah, I know it's it still happens. So, I mean, ice doesn't speed up recovery time; it actually slows down recovery time. So that is the big thing. It's not netology. You can Google it. Ice is basically only uses pain management, um, and you don't always have pain, or you shouldn't always have pain after you throw. Uh, it's not like you should never do it on uh, occasions, but just understand that that's not, we're really not recovering the arm through icing it. And what we've learned is it's actually doing dynamic things at a low intensity to get blood flow into the area because blood flow uh, transports the hormones that speed up recovery. So low intensity of cardio is good. Light arm care, but once again, the purpose is to just get blood flow to the area low level mobility um for the for lower body and then you know some people do like to do some light plyos um and then always static stretching lower body or like yoga type stretching um if you're a relief pitcher uh that would be a situation where when we're trying to design how you're going to lift in between starts, we might, that might be a situation where you have to do legs. Um, but that's because you might, if you didn't do that, you just, what if you pitch back to back? It's so hard to get lifts in and they're so hard to plan. You have to take that risk. Whereas a starting pitcher, but these guys are getting to the point where you kind of know, even if you're a relief pitcher, how many days you're going to have in between. Um, but what you don't want to do is aggressively go after the shoulders. Make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. And also another weird thing, but don't go bowling. Bowling, very bad. Throwing athletes, bowling, they don't mix. Just stay away. I never thought about that, but yeah, no, that's a terrible idea. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We, we had a team bowling outings, uh, the first two years of college, uh, after training camp and, after I think my sophomore year me and my running back came into the training room for for treatment and our trainer was like why do you need treatment you guys haven't been in all training camp we're like yeah it's a little sore from bowling um what do you think of the the tens machine or getting like uh like stem on uh on the shoulder after you throw I'm not against it if it's there. It's, uh, the tens unit is something some people respond to it, some don't. I actually bought one for the crib, uh, and I use it, playing around with it. It's cool, just technology. So something that was thousands of dollars years ago, now I mean they make some that are like twenty dollars, but they're garbage. But um, I have a really good tens unit, and I'm starting to use it on my shoulders occasionally. So no, I'm okay with that because what are we doing? We are trying to get blood flow to the area, and that's part of the reason why you would use a TENS unit. So I am all for those. What you don't want to do, <clears throat> I was told a story that there was a pitcher, a pro guy, that's basically out of his mind, and my guy was this dude's roommate, and he would run his stim machine all night. He would sleep with the stim machine on. He was base. He's basically a psychopath, um, and always like did tore his arm at least once, maybe twice. Just does all these high risk things, and he's whacked out. 
And uh, yeah, he you don't want to leave it on all night. That's no good. No, not at all. I think really just like 15 minute increments at the most. I mean, maybe 20 if you're, if you're, you know, whatever. But yeah, that's uh that's a fucking long, yeah, that's way too long. I'm surprised it didn't die. But speaking of die, this episode of the NES experience is probably pretty much over. I don't think we have uh, that much else to cover now that we have uh, done our athlete question of the week. Yeah, that's a wrap. Yep, that's a wrap. So thanks for tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast. Leave a review if uh, you'd like to. We'd greatly appreciate it. And we will see you back in two weeks for the next episode of the NES Experience. It's been real. (laughs) 